Okay. Today, my guest is Professor uh, Sinejina Mihailova. Uh, I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with her. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about uh, Sinejina as a person. Professor Mihailova is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally, is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of her accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Mikhailova serves as the consulting editor for Journal of International Management, is a member of editorial review boards of several journals, including Journal of Management Studies, Global Strategy Journal. She served as uh, editor Europe for uh, Journal of World Business and associate editor and co-editor in chief for critical perspectives on international business. She also served as a member of the Council of Cross-Cultural Competence and Management. Sinejina received the 2018 AIB Best Paper in Research Methods Award, the 2018 Best Paper Award at the Australia New Zealand AIB Conference, and several Best uh, Reviewer Awards at AIB conferences. She was the 2017 Outstanding Author Contribution winner, Emerald Literati Network Awards for Excellence, as well as the highly commended paper. She also received the 2015 Best Reviewer Award from the Asia Academy of Management Annual Conference. And finally, she was a member of the AIB Ellen Ragman Young Scholar Award Committee. Thank you, Sinejina, for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, what did you want to become when you were a child? Uh, what did I want to become when I was a child? Um, a few things, actually. Uh, first, I wanted to work in uh, a hospital. Uh, we were living close to a hospital, and I remember my mom uh, brought me to that hospital to visit uh, a friend of mine. And we entered the hospital, and it was first time I was confronted with, you know, seeing um, actually sick people and uh, needles and 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 the the smell. So I fainted, and so that was the end of that dream. <laughs> so no more working in hospital. Then uh, I remember I wanted to become a flight attendant. And uh, I've been actually reflecting on that um, some time ago. Why did I want to become a flight attendant? And I think it was because uh, at that time I was born in Bulgaria. You couldn't really travel. Um, you were where you were, so not traveling. So I thought, you see, if I become a flight attendant, then, um, you know, I can cross borders <laughs> and uh, I can I can visit um, uh, different, um, different countries. Um, I also then... I remember I wanted to become a teacher. And I think that was because my mom was a, a high school teacher. So when, um, you know, uh, I couldn't be taken care of by anyone, uh, I was brought to that high school. And so her colleagues would take me to their classes. So I would sit in the end of, you know, uh, on an end row in the classroom. And I found that really, really fascinating. But I also remember what I absolutely did not want to become. And if you are interested in hearing of course, that, of course. Uh, I did not want to become a chemical engineer. So my dad was a chemical engineer. He worked in a, a very famous big plant. And I do remember at home, some of our bookshelves in some of the rooms were just this very heavy, very thick, grayish, greenish books. And so you opened that book and it was all these absolutely kind of foreign language and formulas and numbers. And I thought, no way, no chemistry, no engineering for me. So <laughs> that was, that was That's it. Funny. 
Well, uh, knowing what not to do is actually helpful. To job, I, I, I think it's very helpful to, to, to know what you absolutely don't want to become or don't want to do. Sure. So uh, how did you choose academia and uh, particularly international business? Uh, how? Um, well, it wasn't actually an intentional uh, choice. Uh, so I finished my master's education in Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria. And then uh, exactly at that time or right after the Berlin Wall came down. And so I started competing for, for different uh, positions. I wanted to, to study abroad. And um, uh, by that time, I only spoke Bulgarian, Russian, and, and German. I educated myself in a German high school. But then suddenly um, in my university, I went to meet my uh, master's thesis supervisor. And he said, Snijina, uh, there is a scholarship for um, Denmark. Um, uh, and I said, I'm going. And then I thought to myself, how would you go to Denmark? You don't speak English, you don't speak Danish, but I did go. So I studied on my own English, like, you know, really put, put the effort, I went there. So I actually um, uh, studied there. And then later on, after that particular program, after that particular scholarship, I was invited actually to write my PhD in, in Copenhagen Business School in Denmark, which I did. Uh, but that was not in international business. That was in organization studies. So that was kind of my, my passion uh, at the time. And when I finished my PhD, it was it coincided with actually a period of time where when uh, large multinational um, Danish multinationals um, started venturing out in, in Russia and uh, in Eastern Europe. And I thought, well, I'm actually really well positioned to engage, you know, in, in, in that type of research. So um, I spoke the languages. I had kind of the empirical background being a Bulgarian um, uh, and uh, it interested me. And so this is how I actually moved from org studies into, into IB. Interesting. This is interesting. So uh, something that is not on your CV that people might find interesting. Um, not on my CV. Oh, um, I don't put much on my CV. So there is quite a bit that is not on the CV. But, uh, so, okay. So one would be probably that um, I speak five different uh, languages. So, uh, you know, besides my native Bulgarian, I have studied really hard four languages and I really mastered them. Um, but I wrote my PhD uh, in my fourth language. And as I said, I have never studied formally English, so I have educated myself. Um, what others wouldn't know about me is uh, also probably the fact that I'm a very, very keen gardener. I love gardening. Oh, yeah. I have a, a big garden. I have a veggie garden, so I, I love gardening. Um, I also took a course in plant propagation. So if I lose my job in academia, I'm going to work in a <laughs> Yes, that's funny. And uh, um, what else? I have phobia of cats, uh, unfortunately, that uh, I can't combat. And um, maybe one more thing. Um, my husband, uh, who is also a professor in a, in a business school, um, and I, we run a, a farm business. So we live on a farm in New Zealand. Uh, which we have bought about 
14, 15 years ago. And so we run uh, a farm business. We uh, are actually having the largest Icelandic horses stud in the country. And um, not many people know about that. Some do, some colleagues do. Um, but I do remember some years ago, um, the late uh, Alan Rackman, uh, Alan and uh, his wife, Helen, they um, visited us on, on the farm. And I remember Alan saying, you know what, Snežina, I, <laughs> I have met many people, but I have actually never met two business school professors running a successful farm business. So here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, these are a few things I guess people don't know about me. Well, the horse business, horse part is actually quite uh, extraordinary uh, in this one. Um, regrets, have you got any regrets? Things that you wish you would have done uh, differently or Yes, yes, I do. I I do. I have a number of regrets, but I I have probably one very very big regret. My greatest regret. I I haven't spent much time with my parents. You see, I left home when I was thirteen because the 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 German language high school was in a different town. So if I wanted to study in that school, I had to leave. And then I was just in the machine of, you know, studying and working. And I, I left my, uh, my home country and I have not spent enough time with them. And I very much regret them. I lost them both. Mm. Now we have Sorry. to move to the next uh, sure. question before, sure. before I try. Yeah. Um, what are you most passionate about? Sorry? What are you most passionate about? Um, most passionate. I, well, work-wise, I'm I'm actually very very passionate about supporting junior scholars, uh, early career researchers. Um, I have been always very sympathetic to to early career scholars. So uh, about four years ago, I was asked to. Um, step in as um, associate in research. And so that also gave me a platform, a bigger platform actually to, to work a lot with our junior scholars. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite passionate about that. Uh, privately, um, as I mentioned, I, 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 love, um, I love kind of having a simple life where, so I'm, I'm, we are trying to produce, uh, you know, the food that we eat. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a good life. Uh, so I'm quite passionate about, you know, uh, growing things and working with seeds and with seedlings, producing veggies and fruits. And uh, I, I love flowers. Uh, I also, it's probably not really passion, but I really love being out on the water. So I like a lot boating and fishing. Well, this is fascinating. Um, now, let's switch to, to research. Um, how do you explain your research to people who don't read your work regularly? Like uh, your strand is in a small village, uh, people are curious about you. How do you explain uh, what you do and why is it why it's important? Um, okay, so th that's that's happening actually very very often, almost on a daily basis. Uh, of course, uh, except when we are in lockdown, like. Right now we are in lockdown in, in Auckland, but because I live in a, in a rural, fantastic rural community in New Zealand, um, 
And so you're often asked, what, what are you doing? And uh, if you say, well, I work at the University of Auckland uh, and I, uh, you know, so they, they would say, oh, so you're teaching. <laughs> and I would say, yes, uh, but uh, I'm also doing research. Well, what, what research? So, but I would, of course, it depends to, uh, it depends on whom you're talking to, right? But if it is, um, if it is uh, people who, uh, uh, don't have, uh, you know, a good understanding of academia, universities, and, and so on, I would basically say I uh, am studying people and interactions in large global companies. I would not say MNEs. <laughs> I would not use uh, any, any um, uh, acronyms. Uh, and they themselves would say, well, well, that's important because we are living in a global world, aren't we? So, and I would say, yes, absolutely. Um, so, and then we continue. And so I would say, you know, without uh, international business, actually countries can't function as well as they, they could. Uh, so that's that's in a very simple way how, how I would explain what I do. About creativity in research, uh, where do creative ideas come from? Uh, especially, let's say, for you uh, in your line of work. Um, I think ideas can come from any possible places, and typically, I think in uh, moments where you you don't expect them to come, right? So, and, uh, you know, you can be riding a horse and looking at something and you realize, oh, actually, right? And so when you come back to your computer, you know, you, you would probably have an idea, which at the time you think it's a creative idea. It may turn out not to be, right? Or, uh, you know, when, uh, when I garden, when I remove weeds or when I uh, trim bushes or... So I think... Um, you know, it's that's one of the fascinating things about you know ideas, uh, how they come and also how they how they go. But I think it's it's quite important, I think, in our field and like in in any any field, to allow ourselves, you know, the time to generate those ideas and to work with something that you know we believe at the time is relatively new, rather novel, or also search to, for, for alternatives to, to existing um, ideas. Um, but I also would say that I think, and I may be wrong, but I do think that we can be creative uh, in the most wonderful ways when we have prepared minds. Hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't see creativity being opposed to you know, hard studying and hard work, reading a lot, preparing yourself, because then you can see more, right? And you can make more links. You can you can see things in multiple in multiple new ways, probably. True. Now I want to ask two interconnected things uh, about the forgotten variables or omitted areas of research, uh, things that we should have covered more. But I want to see what you think about the next five to ten years of IB, what's going to be the next hot topic in the field in the next five to ten years? Something um, that we haven't covered in detail so far. Um, 
I don't think I'm uh, a big enough authority to, to answer that question. I think it's a, it's a big question. I have uh, uh, my ideas about where I think we could be heading, but let me start with, um, you said omitted um, variables. Uh, I, I'm not really sure whether, you know, it's about variables, uh, but, or constructs or concepts and whether omitted is the right kind of framing, but, I do think that there are issues and topics and themes or lines of inquiry that I think, um, again, are probably not omitted, but have not attracted substantial attention, or I would argue the attention that I think they deserve. And here I have to admit I'm biased, but um, I don't think that we, um, we know um, uh, as much as we should, I think, about modern slavery. And I, I did declare I'm biased because this is one of, um, uh, of my kind of research projects. Um, uh, so, Beautiful. Uh, uh, this is actually what I wanted to ask you. So thank you for offering it. So let's talk about modern slavery. Uh, what is it? Uh, what do you uh, mean by it? And how do you, uh, how do you explain it? Um, it's a big, big question, but uh, uh, let me just simplify as much, as much as I can, right? So starting with that, we as IB scholars haven't really, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, paid any, any sufficient attention uh, to that, unlike some, some of the other uh, disciplines. Uh, the argument I'm putting forward is that we need to, because I think we as uh, IB scholars are actually very well positioned to, to tackle some of the issues uh, and themes related to modern slavery, uh, uh, simply because of the nature of the business, right? Crossing, crossing borders, multinationals, which is probably one of the most important or central units of analysis that we have as an IB scholarly community. So they are... Uh, uh, often unintentionally implicated in, in modern slavery practices. Now, what is it, right? Um, we can write quite a few pieces on what is it, but it is a range of, of practices. So it's not just one thing. We don't have a single definition, universal one, on what is modern slavery, right? Um, different countries handle that uh, in, in different ways. The, the point, you know, just for the purposes of this interview is to say that it's such societal issues where we can really contribute along with other disciplines that have tackled, you know, um, uh, modern slavery. We can uh, actually put quite a bit on the table, uh, including the very simple fact that modern slavery, besides everything else, you know, uh, the probably the biggest crime against humanity, the most ugly phenomenon that we are or have been and are still experiencing. Besides everything, you know, that I mentioned here, it's also a very, very big business. Modern slavery is a business and it's a very lucrative business. It's a business with huge returns on, on investment. Um, and um, it is also an international business. So there's a space for us to actually start 
uh, a number of scholarly conversations uh, related to that. So I've been trying with, um, with a few colleagues to, to do that. Um, it's not easy, but um, I think we should. Sure. <clears throat> About uh, the culture of IB scholarship and how it evolved over time uh, from your window, how do you see the evolution of IB um, taking place? Uh, where are we headed to uh, from? Where are we, where we were coming from and where are we headed to? Um, I think there are a number of, um, you know, really fantastic articles that have traced the, the evolution of international businesses as a discipline and also of some of the sub-disciplines with, with, within uh, international business. Um, uh, so I'm probably not going to go into that, but in terms of where we are going, um, I'm not completely sure where we are uh, going, um, but I do have a few things on, on, on my wish list. And one of them is probably related kind of to, to, to my background and who I am. I wish that we as uh, an IB uh, community can find good, well-functioning mechanisms of how we can hear voices that are out there uh, that um, are not dominant, they, that will never be dominant, including because of the language in which we write. So I do fear that uh, there is fantastic research conducted and published uh, in countries and in settings, not in, in, in English and, and we are missing on, on this wealth of knowledge uh, that is outside of the kind of the, the dominant uh, uh, English uh, speaking uh, space. And I, I, I don't have a solution uh, to that, but I do know that um, we don't have, many of us don't have access to that. And so I do think that as a community, as an academy, we should provide um, a platform or multiple platforms for those voice, voices to, to be heard. We are missing a lot by not, by not having these insights. I guess this is very much also related to my, so modern slavery is one kind of line of inquiry that I have been following for a few years now, but the other one is um, I'm really fascinated by host country nationals in, in multinational enterprises. Um, and so, uh, you know, trying to understand them really in the way they deserve to be understood also makes me think, well, we do understand them or many researchers, many fellow uh, uh, IB colleagues do understand them, you know, uh, in, in the localities, right? Uh, where they work and, um, but uh, we as a community don't really, um, haven't come to terms with how we can make that knowledge, you know, um, accessible to more people rather than less. Uh, thank you. Now, uh, Snejina, um, about the advice uh, mentoring part, um, what's the best advice? you received when you were going through these, uh, uh, the, the program, uh, what did they tell you? What was your uh, advisor's uh, best advice to you? Um, actually, I, I do think that 
um, some of the best advices I have received are not from colleagues, but from other people. I, I do think that I, uh, I'm a, a good listener and that's why I like, you know, I like to listen to many, many different people. And I do find that I learn a lot from, from people who have nothing to do with, uh, with research. But I do remember it was early when I was an early career researcher and I was on my own, basically. That's one of the big mistakes I have made. Uh, you know, I did on almost everything on my own. I didn't work with others. So um, I had a slow start, but um, it was actually from uh, a, a good friend, much older than me, uh, a family friend uh, back in Copenhagen and um, I think he has been observing on, on the sideline what I've been doing and uh, you know how my life has been. And uh, he put me aside and said, Snezina, you know what? It's about time that you actually start saying no to things and to others. Um, and so that, that was a, a bit of a shock for me. At the time, I thought that there's no way you can say no. If you are asked to do something, you do it. If you... <laughs> whether you want it or not, whether you think it's important or not. And I guess this probably was related to the fact that I, for a very long time, I, I had no stable contract. So I found myself, you know, being dependent on too many circumstances. And so you believe that if you do everything you are asked to do, then that will help. And uh, I know now uh, that's, that's not right. Um, so he put me aside and said, start saying no. And interestingly, just the day after, I did have an opportunity to say no. And I remember that day very, very vividly. And it was very liberating because the person to whom I said, I'm really sorry, I can't do that. That is not something I am educated in or I'm not really competent. So no, I can't and I will not. And it felt so good. And in fact, there was no negative consequences of that, quite the contrary. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's, it's quite important to, you know, to, to be um, a bit more careful in, 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 in the choices we make, especially you know, when committing or overcommitting. It's very, very easy to overcommit and we shouldn't. Um, yeah. This worked out for you quite well, obviously, but uh... Uh, in your interactions with the junior faculty or young scholars uh, all around the world, uh, what are some of the common mistakes that you see, like a common thread uh, that uh, they, they do or they don't do? Uh, something that you can tell uh, young colleagues? Um, yeah, so I, I have conversations with, um, with uh, junior scholars uh, almost on, a, on an everyday basis. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I really, really care about them. Um, and so um, I, I think it's, it's quite important at least, and I, I'm, I'm not really, I don't see myself in a position to provide advice, but I do reflect on um, a number of issues that I'm, I'm confronted with uh, in, in different roles. Um, and so one of the things I would probably say is, especially in the early years of your career, uh, try really to work very systematically and very intentionally, very hard 
on establishing, finding out and establishing your scholarly identity, right? Uh, who you are as a scholar. What do you want to be known for? Um, uh, and I think that's important to all of us, but especially in the beginning, you know, where you are in relatively, you know, uncharted territories and everything has become so fast and so competitive and uh, we are overwhelmed with so many different things. I, I think it is really important to step back, also find the time for um, deep thinking, deep work, uh, and not find ourselves in, in this kind of trade meal of rush and be in a hurry for everything and about everything, because I do think that we are losing, unfortunately, um, you know, the kind of almost the ability um, to, you know, to, to sit down, to think, to speculate, to contemplate, to discuss and debate, to read from the beginning to the end, you know, uh, an article, not just rush through the abstract and then jump to the conclusion, but really, you know, sit down and enjoy. And I know it sounds idyllic, but I do think that we, we still have our destiny in our hands. And I do think we should actually allow space uh, especially for your, our uh, younger colleagues or junior colleagues, I should say, um, you know, allow them the time, you know, for, for this much more focused and, as I said, deep, uh, deep work. So don't venture out probably too early and too much, right? Cover your, your passion in terms of which line of inquiry you really, really want to associate with and contribute to and then the time will come where you will have the luxury to say okay you know for the next two years I'll do this and then for another three years I'll venture out into 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 something uh, different and probably one more thing uh, which I find problematic and that relates um, Ilgas to some of your previous questions um, and that would be both for junior scholars, but I actually also think very, very much for more established uh, senior uh, colleagues. Uh, I, I think we need to be really, really careful, particularly in our field, uh, as we argue and claim that international business is an interdisciplinary field inherently. I do find it problematic that in IB, we go a little bit too easy on, you know, taking concepts and constructs from other disciplines, including from, you know, the mother disciplines or the foundational disciplines, and without investing the time to really understand them well, we just take them, we claim we borrowed them, or we built on them, but we haven't really invested the time and the effort to understand those concepts or constructs well. And so we don't do, I think, any justice to our own research, individual, team, and uh, as a community, IB community, uh, you know, if we actually don't engage seriously with, with those terms before we start, I can't even say using them. I actually think, unfortunately, now and then we just play with them. We almost throw them out there. And uh, 
now and then, I think justifiably, we are under fire from uh, those disciplines that have invested decades of, you know, um, both establishing a particular concept and also enriching it as they went, right? Um, and so let's, let's take our time. Let's be careful about how we borrow from other disciplines so that we can enrich our own field. And this will, I think, uh, obviously allow us the opportunity also to give back, right? Um, and enrich, you know, those disciplines from which we borrow. I, I, I do feel quite strongly for that. Thank you. Sinejina, uh, last question. What's the question that I should have asked you about haven't? Oh, um, what haven't you asked me? Maybe you haven't asked me what on earth am I doing in New Zealand? I'm about <laughs> I told you I've been living in, 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 in other countries and here I am. Um, it wasn't really the plan, uh, but what happened was in 2004, um, my husband and I, we came on sabbatical um, uh, here in, uh, in New Zealand. So we had seven months at the University of Auckland and that was fantastic time. We met great colleagues, uh, we established uh, friendships and we fell in love with the, with the country. So um, seven, eight months later, uh, we quit our jobs in Copenhagen Business School and CBS was a fantastic place. I absolutely need to say that. This is where I did my PhD. This is where I established my career and I will always be very, very grateful to the Copenhagen Business School. But uh, I was there for 10 years. So I thought, uh, we thought together, um, if we don't make a change, here and now, we will never do that. And it was time, I think, to change. I don't like it when it's too comfortable and kind of a warm, nice nest kind of environment. I, I do think it's important to, to try new things. So off we went, we quit. We put the kids on a plane. Uh, we have three children and um, sold everything in Denmark and we came to New Zealand in 2005. <laughs> and we don't regret that. It's a fantastic country. It's interesting. Uh, thank you so much for your time uh, for this candid interview. I enjoyed it. I, I learned a lot and I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thank you, Snejina. Thank you, Ilgas. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot.